the goal really is for you to individualize your communication. This is the hardest thing about leadership. If leadership was easy, everybody would be actually doing it. It's individual by person and how you get them to change, how you get them to respond to communication. Welcome to the Outperform Podcast. My name is Scott Welly. I'm an author, speaker, and the founder of Outperform the Norm, a global movement that helps people achieve peak performance in their personal and professional lives. I've spent my life working with top performers in business as well as athletics, and each week it's my aim and mission to bring you an inspiring person to share their personal stories and insights, or perhaps it'll be a personal message from me, but with one very simple goal in mind, to help you outperform. Your time is precious, and I want to thank you for spending it with me here today. But just one small ask before we get started. If you find value from this podcast, the greatest way that you could possibly thank me would be to head on over to iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast platform happens to be and give it a five-star review. Also share it with somebody that you know that you would like to help outperform so we can all grow this movement together and strive to make the world a healthier, happier, higher performing place. Once again, thank you for being here. And without further ado, let's get started. Jamie, welcome to the Outperform Podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. How do you define outperforming in your life? And what does it mean to you to outperform? To outperform to me is, and maybe this isn't you know what other people would think of it is, but for me it's it's to be better every day, to constantly be learning. Um, my entire business and in, in my career, but my business has been built on that continuous learning and thinking about things differently. So paradigm shifts and like I've never thought about it that way, or that's how other people are looking at it, is to be having that constant learning every day. So if I can look back and say. Yesterday was a rough day, or I'm tired, or but I've learned something, right? And I look at something a little bit differently, even if it's just a marginal improvement. Um, that's a that's a good thing. And so I think to me, I see so many people that, and I've been I've experienced it in the past where we get paralyzed and we're standing in the same place day in and day out. Mm-hmm. We don't take the chance. We don't take a step forward because we don't know what it's what's going to happen. And so for me, it's just continuing to take a step. Mm-hmm. Some are big, some are little. I am a huge believer in that. Why don't, before we go into some more specifics, tell people a little bit more about who Jamie is and what it is that you do. So Jamie Tates, I'm the CEO of Keystone Group International. We are an organization that's really focused on helping organizations grow in a healthy and sustainable way. And we believe that there's kind of three pillars to that and it's strategy, people, and culture. And you can have the best strategy on the planet for where your business is going, whether you're a solopreneur or you're, you're a bigger business. And if you're not really integrating a, a strategy around your people and around the culture and what you want it to be, and if it's where you want it to be, then your strategy is just words on a sheet of paper. And so we feel strongly, which I know you do as well, is that performance piece and how you get the most out of the people you have is what actually drives your strategy and the ultimate results for your, for your business. Mm-hmm. What is your outperforming story? Well, um, 
I'm going to be real transparent here with everybody because, we, because we, I think we appreciate transparency. It's important for people to understand that we all have journeys. And when you interact with someone, when you see someone's success or where they're at in life, you know, I think a lot of us think, wow, they're lucky or they must have had it easy or, you know, mm -hmm. and all of us have a journey mm -hmm. and we have things that we've gone through. So my journey starts with, you know, being raised by a single mom who had me at 16 and you know put herself through night school worked full-time and you know had help for me and and growing up in that environment where she's built a successful business from literally nothing and and seeing that as a role model um you know it's it's hard for me in my life and it's not that i've had everything in, in my life either there were many tough years um but looking at that and, and looking at myself now and thinking really is it really that bad like, I think I can figure this out because I've had that role model of like, it could be worse, right? It, it, it could, the, the bottom could fall out. Other things could happen, but you've always got the opportunity every day to just take a step forward. Mm -hmm. And if she had just decided that she was going to be a statistic and, and just, well, this is my life now and this is what I want to be, or this is what I have to be because society tells me I wouldn't be where I was at. She wouldn't be where she was at. And so that really what is what started my outperform story, I think, is, is having that background and saying that, that there's nothing that you can't get through. Yeah. There really isn't anything that you can't get through with the right mindset. And you and I talk a lot about mindset is, is it's just having the mindset to say it can be better tomorrow. Today might not have been a perfect day, hmm. but every single day you've got to be learning and getting better. And, and so I think that perspective is a huge basis for where I'm at today and why I have the, the mindset that I do about the growth of my business. What kind of business does your mom have? Just so curious. She's a financial advisor. Okay. Yeah. And if you were to identify, I mean, it, it sounds like work ethic might be one of them and mm -hmm. I don't want to put words in your mouth, yep. but some of the specific lessons that you learned from oh. your mother, that if you would, let, let's maybe say three of them. Yeah. If you I had, could come up with, 15, but we only have time for three. No, maybe go top three. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, uh, he just got also knows I could talk all day long, so he's like, just people to three, please. Um, the top ones are probably work ethics in there, but it's really resilience is what I would call it, is when faced with something that you don't know what the next step is, you just have to have resilience and, and confidence in yourself that you'll figure it out as you go. Um, I think that's what she taught me, you know, being 30 years ago, her being in the, the financial services industry, one of the only females building yeah. a book of business and being, you know, a single mom or, you know, and having, being a young mom and, and figuring how to build your own business mm -hmm. in an industry that's very male dominated. I think you have to have resilience. You got to pick yourself a backup off the floor some days, right? Yeah. There's days you want to give up. There's days you don't want to make that extra call right? from a sales standpoint. And so I think she taught me a lot about, and she still does, about just like, you'll figure it out. Let's just, just keep going, right? Just be resilient, pick yourself back up. And a failure is not a failure if you fail forward, mm -hmm. right? It's a learning. It's, yeah. it's growing. Um, the second one is her, is probably humility. And just coming from humble beginnings I've just innately been humble in how I've kind of built my business and how I look at what I'm doing is I want to make sure that what we're doing has an impact and gives back and is not out there trying to make a profit and forgetting about the people and the relationships and that people over profits is definitely something that I saw her doing mm -hmm. where she had choices in her 
um, in her career to, to make those decisions. And the third one is probably just um, philanthropy and serving. Um, you know, not having a lot at the beginning, I still saw her actively involved in the community when she could, right? Volunteering her time mm -hmm. and other gifts that she had, and it's not always money, and being in that, that servitude space. And so I think it created that servant leader in me when, when I was in corporate and also when I went out on my own is to say that there is a way to build and be successful while also serving others first, right? And giving before you expect to receive. And so that's been, for Keystone, that's been I'm very proud of the values that we've built and, and the business that we've built based on that because we believe in the give, 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 get. Yeah, right? yeah. That, that uh -huh. methodology is that we don't need to always receive right away, but it feels really good to connect people and to help and to, to do that and put that out into the world. And the world will send that back when you need it. It's a great philosophy for life. Yep. So it sounds like you you learned some tremendous lessons from your mother and you learned them early on. I'm curious on the evolution of your professional journey and mm -hmm. how you got to where you are today. Because you said you were in corporate. Yep. Uh, talk to me just a little bit about how that's evolved into what you're doing now with Keystone. Yeah. So my background is really in what really large corporate. So I worked for the largest privately held corporation in the world. Um, lived abroad, did a lot of global travel and got just, I mean, I always say I grew up there. Like they really mm. raised me to be different, to think differently. And the training and the investment that they had in me was amazing. And so I got to see not only different cultures, but different businesses and the way people do business around the world, um, how they make decisions differently. And so I got to, I always say I got to get in the head of the leaders and really be in those rooms where it was like, wow, that was a great question. Like, that kind of changes how we look at the situation. Um, and so that's where my strategy and the people component of my experience came in. Um, and when I decided to go out on my own, the reason was because I had grown up in a small business, right? I had seen what I call the roller coaster ride. Mm -hmm. And other members of my family also owned small businesses, so it wasn't just my mom. But I, I just, I knew that what I had learned in big business had to have something that could apply. Mm -hmm. to them, right? Like how could we teach them some of these things? I call it, they didn't need the Harvard MBA kind of consultants, but they, there was things that they could learn to make their business run better and, and to ultimately, you know, keep them from the 2 a.m. thoughts, right? And keep them from the anxiety that really drives being a business owner. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what Keystone was built on is that experience and saying, there's got to be a way for me to take that and have more impact. Mm -hmm. And for impact for me was to actually be able to see it change mm -hmm. you know the paradigm or the shift for a business and see them come out the other side in a better place very hard for me and, and, and there are some corporate environments where you can but it was very hard for me to see the impact in a large corporate environment yeah. it always felt like turning the titanic if we wanted to make you know to really see that and so it, it started to be an unfulfilling thing for me and it was just because of what i needed mm -hmm. i needed to see that impact on a day-to-day -day basis and feel like i was i was moving in the right direction so I haven't had a lot of people on the Outperform podcast that talk about leadership. And I'm curious because I don't, I don't care what your title is. We're all leaders. We're looking to lead our, our family, our friends, maybe our team, our company, whatever it happens to be. So based on your experiences with Keystone as well as in larger corporate, what are some of the biggest... I don't know if I would say mistakes, but where do you start people 
with thinking about how can how they can become an outperforming leader or a better leader. Yeah. Um, the first thing that I see, and I see this with a lot of our coaching clients too, is um, them understanding who they really are as a leader. Because I think in corporate, we have an idea of what a leader looks like based on the leaders we've had. Mm-hmm. And we believe that that's how you have to be to be a leader. So if you've been under somebody who's a heavy servant leader, then maybe that's how that's the example that you've had, which is what I had in corporate is those great models. If you've been under somebody that doesn't look at leadership that same way, right, and is very micromanagement, you're absorbing some of that leadership and, and how you've seen it modeled. What I see is that people are oftentimes better leaders outside of the office with the soccer team or at the PTA or in their community groups, they're their authentic leadership self and they're able to be their self. And when they come to the office, sometimes they shut some of those superpowers as we call them, they shut their superpowers off because they're trying to be the leader that they think their organization needs. Mm -hmm. And if they would just tap into those things that are innately them, they can be, you don't have to be like someone, exactly like someone to be as good of a leader as them. You have to be who you are mm-hmm. authentically because that's where people really trust you. And so, I, I see that dichotomy a lot with leaders. Yeah, so how, how do you get them to tap into that authentic leadership professionally speaking? Because I'm, I'm sure some people are probably thinking, well, Scott, I lead a, an entire company or I lead a large team of, mm-hmm. of people. I can't be the same leader to them that I am on the soccer field. Um, mm-hmm. How do you get people to be better authentic leaders in their professional lives? So I actually do think you can take the same thing you're using on the soccer fields into the office. It's just, it's applied in, in a different way. I agree and for the record. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what it really is, is, is what are those things that really make you who you are? So I'll give you an example of, of what my superpowers are. Um, a couple of them. So one of them is, is being a maximizer. So whether I'm on the soccer field or I'm in a corporate boardroom, I have an ability, it took me many years to figure out that everyone else didn't have it, um, an ability to look at people, understand their strengths and say, this is actually how we should organize the work we're doing and this person's best suited in this role because it's gonna maximize who they are and what they bring to the table. And so I have this ability to quit very quickly, understand that. I can use that same superpower on the soccer field or you know, in the hockey rink or in the PTA and you're putting a team together, right? So all of those things that people do outside of work, it's, it's very similar. Another superpower for me is is high degree of empathy, and it probably comes from my background and my upbringing. Is I have an ability to sit in someone else's seat and look at the world for their through their lens and say, "How is this going to feel if we communicate this way? If we make this change? If we do what we are going to do? We've got to understand it from other people's perspectives." I feel like you can use that outside and inside. Now, the issue that most people have is they have these superpowers and have these strengths but you have to use them within some guardrails, right? So there's leadership guardrails that you have to use to be a good leader, but within the guardrails, you have to be authentically you or no one's going to want to follow you. Interesting. That's how I look at it. 
So to get people to tap into their own superpowers, Mm -hmm. sort of like the ones you mentioned for yourself Mm -hmm. before, is that just asking yourself what comes easily for me but is difficult for others? Or what are some questions that people can ask themselves to identify what they're uniquely good at? Yeah. So there's a couple characteristics of, of superpowers that we usually help people with. So you've got kind of three different levels. You've got your talents, which some of those are just innately who you are, mm-hmm. right? You're born with them. Do they have talents? Then you have strengths, which are strengths are things you have worked. So think of a muscle. You're getting stronger and you've taken those talents and you've made some of them a strength. To get them to a superpower, they have to, you have to really be naturally good at them, meaning you don't have to think about it. It's not really, really hard for you. It's not hard for me to think about the empathy piece of it. It's like it turns on even if I didn't want it to, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. those things that you're, that you're naturally good at. You have to want to learn more and do more in that space. So you have to be driven to want to learn more and use that superpower more. So some of our strengths we're good at, but they're not things that we're driven Mm -hmm. to do more of. Mm -hmm. And it has to give you energy. So with a lot of our clients, we do what I call, relatively simple, I do an energy journal. So I take a week at a time and I tell them, I want you to write down hour to hour just what your energy flow feels like. You know, you came out of that meeting and your blood was pumping. We all know that feeling. And you're like, man, we just solved an issue. We just tackled something. Mm-hmm. Write that down. What it, why? What happened in the meeting? What was going on? And same thing with when your energy is low, right? I just feel like I came out of that or that interaction with that person just sucked me dry, right? Of energy, what was happening at that moment? And as you look at that over a week or two week period of time, you start to see trends of, when I'm in this situation, that's when I'm in my superpowers. So for me, it was when I was in large corporate discussions and we were talking about people and the impacts on people and I could contribute and say, hold on, if we do that, let's think about the impact it's going to have, that mm-hmm. empathy component I was pulling on mm-hmm. and I could actually impact our decisions and what we were going to do. I would literally come out of those meetings and feel like my blood pressure was through the roof, like your blood yeah. is pumping, and it, it's a physical reaction yeah, to you yeah. feeling those. So I think a lot of it is around the things that give you natural energy. Are, your superpowers are in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the thing that people get hung up on is like I have to put a word to it. And so I came up with words, right, to help describe mine, but it's just tell yourself that it's when I'm doing these types of things, right? That's when I'm in the zone. I'm mm-hmm. in my sweet spot. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I was curious to hear if you just had kind of a larger uh, overarching philosophy on leadership or whatnot. I know you talked about situational leadership yep. before, yep. Uh, but is there kind of one leadership philosophy or, or a quote or something that you live by? Um, I think it's really, for me, the one that sticks out, and I'm not going to probably get this exactly right, but there's a Charles Darwin quote that just talks about, you know, you know, the, the strongest people, which I think of as kind of the ones that can lead us through anything, mm-hmm. whether personal or professional, are not the ones that are necessarily the smartest or the fastest or sometimes always the best at what they do. They're the ones that are most adaptable to change. And I think as leaders, we are the same thing, is that to be a leader, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. You have to know, you have to be the person that asks the best questions. 
And that's how we get the change, right? And the momentum to happen. And so when you say everyone in an organization is a leader, I agree with you, or they should be. In a really good organization, the organization should be focused on building leaders at all levels, not just the people that have a box that has boxes underneath them, right? Mm -hmm. That's management. Mm -hmm. That's hierarchy. And so for, for leaders, it's, it's do you have the influence and the ability to really ask the right questions and get people to move in a different direction or in the right direction mm-hmm. without any hierarchical power at all. I think that's the true test of a leader. I want to come back to change in a second, mm-hmm. but for people out there that are listening that maybe don't have the title of senior manager, executive, mm-hmm. whatever it happens to be, how do you get people to see themselves as a leader regardless of what title might be? By helping them define the word leader differently. Okay. Go look up the definition of leader. Leader is someone who who influences and motivates people towards a goal. Has nothing to do with if you have direct reports or not. Influences and motivates people. That's the exact right. But that's, I mean, it's all about influence, motivating. Managers direct and control towards a goal. Right? They have a goal to achieve and they move people in that direction. Mm -hmm. That's the box on the org chart. Mm Mm-hmm. Not all managers are leaders, and not all leaders have to be managers, mm-hmm. right? Have to manage people. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at your leadership ability, this is why I push so hard on looking at it outside of work, is you have that ability. You're showing it in many other areas. You're also showing it at the office if you bring that in and say, you and I can be peers, and I can help you think differently about the situation that we're both trying to fix or the, the problem we're trying to solve. And by me influencing you and bringing my expertise in, to me, that's leading you. Mm-hmm. That's leading. And so we've, our society has put leadership in a rank, you know, kind of you have to be at this level to be a leader. But, sure. but it's really more about your ability to communicate effectively and inspire people to something that maybe they weren't thinking about before or a different solution. Sure. I want to come back to something you said before as far as being able to adapt to change mm-hmm. simply because it's, I always say this, it is the one universal thing that I hear from every business yes. group or organization that brings me in to work with them or to speak is something to the effect of we're going through a lot of change right now. Yep. And some of our people are kind of struggling to deal with it or, or to handle it. Yep. What is your starting point to helping people better respond to and adapt to change. Yep. So it's funny. I just did this presentation to an organization on Friday. Um, But we have a philosophy that there's, if you look out there on change, right, and in big corporate environments, people are going to, they've seen it. But there's these really 10-step process to how you get somebody through a change, right? Cotter's change model. It's it's not that it's bad. It's just super complicated for the average everyday change. We look at it as there's four table stakes, right? Four fundamentals of change. The first one is trust. And the problem with that is you can't wait till the change is happening to build it. So it's got to be a proactive thing is what does the trust look like in your environment? And I will, I will be able to tell you whether or not change is going to be successful. And so it's as leaders, how do we build that trust? And there's a couple ways we do that. The first one is how, how we articulate the message, how mm-hmm. we speak and communicate. Um, and how we are transparent is the fundamental. So we've got some great um, kind of uh, tools that we use with our clients on how they can communicate with more transparency without it feeling weird to them. So simple things like 
when you're communicating to an employee about a change or a group of employees, talking about, you know, what we know will happen, what we're uncertain of at this point. There are some things we don't know answers to. Mm -hmm. What may happen and what absolutely will not happen. And then how can you help? So by, by doing that kind of vulnerable, open, like we're admitting as leaders that, that we know the next 10 feet and we know where we're going. We just know there's going to be things that might change. It goes a long ways in building trust and bringing people along because they're like, okay, so in two weeks when things are just a little bit different, I don't immediately distrust you mm-hmm. because you said there's going to be some things we're still figuring out, but here's what we know. Sure. And we want to share what we know with you. And making sure that you're communicating that message in a really, really fundamental way so people get it. I think we underestimate as leaders a lot people's capacity for change because we haven't done the work before the change. So the big changes, so the group I was talking to, big technology changes, people's job functions are going to change on a daily basis, which is what a lot of organizations, it's transformational change. That doesn't happen every day, but when it happens, it's very important to the organization. And that's where organizations usually fall down because they haven't taken each day-to-day incremental change and used it as an opportunity to build trust with their employees so that when the big stuff comes, I go, you know what? We've gotten through all this other stuff. I know Scott's got my back. Like, we'll figure this out, Uh right? We've waited till the the event happens, Uh and now we want people to change. How do we get people to change? We're not doing the work ahead of it. Mm-hmm. That's my philosophy on it. And I'm curious, because you brought up communication a couple mm-hmm. of times, and I see it with leaders as well as I see it with salespeople, and I, I guess it would, probably just people in general. We think communication is just about the words that come out of our mouth. <laughs> what additional insights do you have or recommendations for people to be effective communicators as far as possibly their nonverbals or the way that they say things? Uh, what advice do you give people on on, on being a leader and communicating that effectively. Yeah. I think it's being, first off, just being super aware of what your communication style is. Because there's no right or wrong communication style. It's all right. in the receiver. Mm-hmm. Right? It, it's what they need. So when we work with leaders and, and we've got a system, and actually they're scientifically proven on how people interpret messages. So they've done studies where you know you are to speak to a large organization and then they're surveying people as they're walking out of room on messages what they heard you say there are four distinct communication styles it's when it's been scientifically proven that four different people with different communication styles are hearing four different things from your message and you're saying the same thing to all of them but because different things are connecting with them and experience comes into this as well is but there's actually four different styles that people are hearing it and they've proven that out. What are those? So we use terms that we call, so there's a blueprint communication style, which they hear process, right? They hear steps. They kind of think of the world in terms of rules and Mm -hmm. what the boundaries are. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking, they're hearing those kind of rules and steps to how they should outperform the norm or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. that talk is. Then there's the action communication style, which actually feeds off of quick decision-making and they're hearing about 20% of what you say, they're just hitting on the high points. When your voice goes up, like all of those types of things. Then we've got the nurturing communication style, which for a lot of salespeople, you talk about salespeople, that's an, they have issues sometimes with the nurturing style because many salespeople are action. Let's get to the point, I wanna tell you about it, and I want you, you know, and make a decision, push mm-hmm. to make a decision. When you've got a nurturing communication style, 
that person wants to build a relationship with you. So they see you up front and they just want to, they want to know you, what you're talking about matters, but it doesn't, mm -hmm. right? They want to know, they like your, your energy in the room and they're totally vibing into that. And then the last one is the knowledge communication style. And they're really listening for the statistics and the data that you're going to share with them that actually proves your point. So if you get up and you're high nurture and it's feelings and you're just inspiring, the knowledge communication style is going to hear that and go, yeah, but show me the, re show me the data that says that I should believe what you just told me that I yeah. should do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So as human beings, every day we're interacting. I can even see it in my kids. So we, like we teach that you can see that in even kids. I have one kid that if I just leave them a list of things to do, um, she'll check off the box. Mm -hmm. I have another kid that I actually have to tell him that you're really good at this. Can you help everybody else be good at it? And can you do more of that for me? Mm -hmm. And that stroke says like, he's, he's good at that. Mm -hmm. And then I have another child where to get them to do chores, I have to talk to them about why this contributes to our family because we're all really busy and I need you to be part of the team. Yeah. He's a nurturer. Yeah. And I can get them to do the same thing, but I have to change my communication style with them for them to hear the words I'm saying. Sure. Does that make sense? So I'm going, I'm giving you really high level on this. No, but. no, it's, it's fine. And it's great. So for people out there that are leading teams, I mean, is this mm -hmm. just knowing the individual personalities of the people on your team to be able to tap into what they're going to respond to the best? Is that part of it is personality, but what they've actually seen is part of it is, is a deeper communication style. So someone may appear to be a certain way, but in the way they actually receive information is, is different than sometimes how they, so for example, my, when you look at this communication style, I'm a high nurture. Mm -hmm. Most people would look at me and see female CEO, right? Blaze their own trail, like see me as an action. Like I take action and make decisions mm -hmm. and go, if they try to sell to me or communicate to me in high action style, I get turned off very quickly. Meaning I don't want to have a relationship because I feel like it's a one way. They just want something from me. Mm -hmm. If they didn't know that, if they just profiled me based on my title mm -hmm. and my position and that, they would probably read me wrong and communicate in a different way. So the goal really is for you to individualize your communication. This is the hardest thing about leadership. If leadership was easy, everybody would be actually doing it. It's individual by person and how you get them to change, how you get them to respond to communication. And that's why if we have leadership in our title, but we do it like 20% of the time because yeah. we've got other things to do, mm -hmm. we're not probably great leaders, even though we have the potential to be because we're not spending time doing it at the level we should. So. So before we close this up, if people are interested in learning a little bit more about what it is that you do, yep. Keystone, et cetera, yep. where would you like them to go? And what can they do? Yeah. So um, they can reach out to me directly. It's Jamie, J-A-I-M-E at keystonegroupintl.com. Um, they can also go to our website, keystonegroupintl.com. Lots of information out there about what we, what services we have and how we help people. Um, always willing to connect on LinkedIn as well. Um, but we want to just kind of continue this dialogue. And I love that you're doing this too, because it's, it's hopefully shifting people's paradigms and having them just think differently. Right? Absolutely. And I will put links for all, for all of that in the show notes on how people can connect with you. Perfect. Last question. What I always like to say is from information to implementation. So we have thrown maybe a lot at people yeah. in regards to, I know it was high level, but, uh, 
a lot of different concepts in regards to leadership. If people are going to take some of this information and implement it into what it is that they're doing, what what would what you have thing? them do? What yep. would, what would your so the, be? the first place to start is to do a self-assessment on leadership versus management. Oh, right? Okay. Really look at yourself and, and how you operate in day to day. And are you doing more leadership, inspiring and motivating and influencing people? Are you spending most of your time directing and controlling and, you know, and driving people towards a goal? Because I think that's the first step in really understanding your own personal leadership journey and where you need to go, what help you might need. Where, where can they, is there a specific place they can find that assessment or what does that look like? Uh, so, sorry to interrupt no, you yeah. there. I'm just I trying should, to help I people out. I should probably out. create something. You should create but, something yeah. that's on so, your to-do list. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know that there's a good place to do that outside of just kind of doing a self-assessment yourself. I'm just okay. where you're spending your time. What okay. We talk about, right, the, the 80-20 rule. Are you sure. on one side of the spectrum or the other? Mm -hmm. And is there opportunity for you to shift that okay. and be thinking differently about leadership and really helping to understand what leadership actually is and it's the inspiring and motivating and how to pull from personal and from your experience in that. Versus directing and controlling yes. and the management. Cause yes. I just want to make sure that um, we have a lot of different people listening yep. to this that they're yep. clear on the difference between being a leader and being a manager. Being a manager. And you okay. may need to be part of both, but it's where are you spending the most of your time? Right? Okay. We want to be skewing in that leadership space, no matter what our role is. Okay. Any other words of wisdom or anything that you would like people to do other than just a self-assessment? Yeah, I think the, the only other word of wisdom is that, you know, we all have ownership of our own, you know, how we show up every day. And I think it's important for us to understand as leaders, whether or not you have direct reports or not, is that the way we decide to show up and the approach that we take to situations has a ripple effect to what we do. And knowing that and making good decisions on how we react to situations, how we solve problems, and those types of things can really have a positive or negative ripple effect in our organizations, in our communities, and that. And so just being really aware that we've been given the ability to lead, we have to use it in a positive way. On behalf of everyone listening, Jamie, thank you very You're much welcome. for your time. We really appreciate it. And to you out there. Wishing you the best of health, happiness, high performance, and keep outperforming. Have a great day. Hello, outperformers. Three more quick things before we sign off here today. First and foremost, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I understand how many different podcasts are out there, and I do not take a single second of your time for granted because time is truly our most valuable asset. It is our most precious commodity, and I appreciate you taking that time and you spending it with us here today. Second, if you found value in this podcast, maybe you've noticed, but podcasting has gotten quite popular as of late. And if you would like to help support the Outperforming Movement and the Outperform Podcast, one of the best ways that we can get it found is for you to give it a favorable review and rating on whatever your favorite podcasting platform happens to be. So head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Play, and give it a favorable review. And while you do that, also share it with someone else that you know that is just like you, is driven by growth and wanting to be the best personally and professionally in every single thing that they do. Number three, if you want even more 
tools and tips and strategies to be able to be your best personally and professionally, head on over to scottwelly.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. There are loads of different resources for you on everything from goal setting and grit to resiliency and focus to confidence and motivation and routines and habits and everything that you can possibly imagine to help you be your absolute best every single day personally and professionally once again if you'd like to access those free resources head on over to scottwelly.com s-c-o-t-t-w-e-l-l-e So as I sign off, thank you again for spending your time with me here today. Keep outperforming and as always, wish you the best of health, happiness, and high performance. Have a great day.